Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune in to the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. Do you have a preference on theme song? Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play it unfold, so. Jake on the table when they phone the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight. Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more. Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars. Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that eye like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and they on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and they on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. What, what, really, what really needs to happen? And I'll talk to Gabe behind the scenes. And, and I know that people have brought this up before, but there's uh, the Bone Thugs and Harmony crossroads. And I, I toyed around with, with doing that, and I was like, you know what? It's Clapton. And, and beyond Clapton, it's uh, the King of the Delta Blues. I mean, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't not tip my hat to, to the Delta Blues. I can't not tip my hat to, uh, to Clapton. And so I had to go with that. But... At some point, Gabe and I need to get together and do the Crossroads, Bone Thugs and Harmony, and and really make something happen. I'll put some sort of introduction in here, then we'll talk for another hour, and then we might do a show. Hello, and welcome to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name's Peter Howard, at PA Howdy on Twitter. I'm here this week, and this week for the first time, hopefully not for the last time, with Tacit Assassin on Twitter. Uh, Zach Reed over from the Dynasty Dummies podcast. How are you doing, Zach? I, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, if you have anybody creeping on YouTube watching this, I apologize. I am not nearly as handsome as Jake, who is normally here. Blatantly untrue. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, uh, Jake was unable to make it for a regular scheduled time. Not unable, I just told him not to because he's got a lot going on. <laughs> not that I, I normally try not to be fair to Zach. Uh, or 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 Jake for that matter, um, but he's got a lot of major life stuff going on right now, so I told him just to not bother with it. Then we planned to come back on Friday, and I couldn't make it, and he has to go away for the weekend. So um, I offered to do a solo podcast, at which point he suggested I reach out to literally anyone. Not really. He said I should reach out to Zach, because um, I think he's worried about exactly... Uh, how much more damage I'll do on the crossroads if I keep coming on by myself every now and again. 
So uh, I reached out to Zach and he has been kind enough to jump on with me this week to talk about some different prospects. What prospects is kind of up in the air. We, I did a poll, Jake did a poll, I forget what those polls said. <laughs> so in the end, I just picked some players and I was kind of interested in hearing what Zach thought about them. I was all, I'm also interested in what Jake would think about them. But while we have the superior opinion here, I thought why not take advantage of that. Um, so we've got a few names. We're going to try and see who we can run through in 30 minutes. We're continuing at the crossroads to not limited ourselves to one player at a time, especially pre-draft, pre-combine, where a lot of the stuff is up in the air until we get more information about where they're going to go and how fast they are, I guess, even though the <laughs> combine doesn't matter. Um, so the names we've got, just so you know who we miss if we don't get there, is Greg Dortch, Paris Campbell, for some ungodly reason. Uh, hey, hey, Hakeem, hey. Hakeem Butler and Ashton Doolan. Uh, the clear value of this draft class, which is his official name. I checked with Malone University. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what um, conference are they again? Uh, God knows. Um, <laughs> they, don't, they don't perform in a conference. I think they play football online. <laughs> or maybe one of those little like, uh, tabletop football games. They just... yeah, the electric... Yeah, exactly. Old school. Yeah. Uh, old school. <laughs> um, but those are the names we're going to try and get through. Do you have a preference, Zach, about where you want to start? You know, actually... I would love to hear you talk about Ashton Doolin to start because I watched him this week for the Dynasty Dummies because he's on your list. So, <laughs> so I'll, I'll cede the floor to you, even though I, Jake has chosen me for the, uh, his, his trial by combat, his champion. Yeah, Ashton Doolin. Um, I'm happy to have wasted several hours of your time. And can I, can I just put a, like a asterisk on this and say that it is impressive you found tape of Ashton Doolin. That was, <laughs> that was three, not an easy get. Three full games, yeah. Um, and as we're a DLF podcast, I, I do just want to do a little corporate uh, team enterprise here there are uh, over at dlf because uh, some video sites i think have been closed down or closed up shot and dlf's trying to compile a list of links and places where you can find tape on all players they're actually looking for volunteers right now for people that can do that so you get to watch the players do some of your own evaluation and then uh, um, you can make them widely available through this free database it's not going to be behind the paywall which is something you know as a poor person i appreciate <laughs> i like free data so free tape sounds like the way to go as well so look out for that on dlf coming soon i'm really excited about that project although let's face it it'll be more helpful for jake but it's not easy to find tape of Ashton Doolin playing in Division 2 for Malone University. And yes, I know it's Division 2 because Zach just <laughs> told me that. But that's neither here nor there. Um, Ashton Doolin is essentially this year's um, Justin Watson, uh, my, my love from last year's class. Um, as Jake continually points out, it's easier to get higher market share numbers at lower division conferences. If you're a particularly athletic dude playing guys who are not particularly athletic if you're nfl level athletic and playing against guys who are not nfl let's say it that way uh level athletic then it's a little easier to get high yardage totals or high yardage uh market shares simply because you can outclass them with your physical ability and uh, much more than any raw talent i think there is some truth to that but what i do value about market share is just for the situation it very clearly identifies when a player is standing out in their on their team now just because it's a division two school doesn't mean he's not standing out that clearly it means we 
don't know what he would do in the SEC, but we also don't know what Greg Dortch would do if he was on Ohio State's team with Paris Campbell. We don't know what they would do in the same team as each other. All we know is what they did in their situations. And so one thing I do like to point out is why you can say it's probably easier to get higher market share values if you are at a lower conference um, or if you are athletic at a lower conference or have some talent for that matter. The point is that Despite that, it's actually relatively few who have astonishingly high market share value. Uh, I do know that it wasn't every team, even in, you know, dirt league conferences, that had a player that just clearly stood out above everyone else. Everyone has a best player. Very few have a player that are clearly the best in the league. Now, that's what Ashton Doolan was doing, and that's what his market share numbers say. Now, to compare them straight to the numbers of Dorch, Campbell, and Butler is a little unfair. But again, the, the thing I like to point out about market share is no one's cracked it yet. No one's found the most useful college statistic and certainly not the best way to use market share. That's why it's kind of still in its infancy and while it's still fun to explore. But one thing I do know is it's not exponential. If you get a 59% um, share or college dominator rating at age 19, which is what Ashton Doolan did, that doesn't mean you are due seven top five seasons in the NFL. Whereas if you only got 23, like Greg Dortch, you're only due two. It doesn't work exponentially or that's what I mean by the word exponential. I'm not honestly sure if that's the right word. Um, but that's what I mean by it. It's it, it's more of a threshold stat. If a player is breaking certain thresholds and they are standing out significantly compared to other players on their team, more than most players stand out in their circumstances. And, and that's what Doolan was doing. And even at this conference level, like you can find good players, you will rarely find a player dominating to this high degree. Now, to, in order to know the name so I know to look them up, something else has to happen. You can't just be getting good market share numbers. The thing that stands out about Doolan is that it was invited to the Combine. The minute that happened, other people actually put me on to Doolan. It was actually Miguel. I forget his Twitter handle. Miguel Chapton. Uh, Dynasty Guru FF. Thank you. Um, yeah. Jake would never look that up for me, just to throw that out. I got you, yeah. fam. I got you. <laughs> Miguel Chapman actually looked him up because he had a combo on him for like before I could get to him. Now, the reason that's important is because there are really two aspects um, to whether a player it has, the, has a chance or a realistic chance to be fantasy relevant in the NFL. But you need to have, be, have been productive at college to a very high degree. That puts you in a higher likely category. And then you need opportunity. And that's what it's all about for someone like Doolan. Um, the fact he was invited to the combine means someone, at least some ones actually, in the NFL has noticed. They're going to test his athleticism. I think he's going to test off the charts in his athleticism, or at least significantly high. And that's going to give him an opportunity to grab. And so that's kind of what I'm hoping for Doolin. It's not just that he had great market share numbers and very few do to the degree that he did. And that's true of Doolin, like it was Justin Watson. But it's the fact he's already had some notice from the NFL. Some don't. Like, um, you've got some players that aren't even invited to the combine and get in another way. And I'm looking for those players too. I haven't found any others like that. And um, because I'm not profiling every Division Two player, to tell the truth. Um, but if you do the college dominator um, calculation for an individual year instead of the whole college year, that's what I've got pulled up here. He had 31% at age 18, so he definitely broke out. He's got an age 18 breakout, which again means a little less at a lower division, but it's good and it's standing out more than most. He went to 59% at age 19, 68% at 20, and then 58% at 21. 
Now, the other thing I'd say about a lower conference guy, I'm not as worried as uh, I would be about most of him coming into the NFL later. That's a Kenny Galladay thing. He took longer to get to the NFL because he was coming from a longer distance, essentially. And the other thing I would say is age 18 breakout, while I still value it, I don't actually need it for lower division players like Cameron Meredith, Tyrell Williams, and some other lower division players, uh, to name but two. They had later breakout ages. You really have to dig through some god-awful college websites to find it, Zach. (laughs) I've, I've been there. Not not to share my pain with you uh, while you're just enjoying watching football with your tape, but uh, there's actually work that goes on on this side of the aisle. Um, so, like, that's my brief. Like, look, I've put him in the mid-second round of a rookie draft, and that's the same thing I did with Justin Watson last year. It's like, you're pretty insane to take him in the second round of a rookie draft. What I'm basically saying with that ranking, this far off, like, we've got a lot more information to decide real rankings um, but this far off, all I'm saying is if I'm going to take a chance, it's going to be the guy that's standing out extraordinarily um, in market share. And I've put everyone that played in Division yeah. <laughs> 1 higher than that <laughs> with these kind of market share numbers. So that's just where he fit in. Um, I do have more to say on him, but it's you know beyond time we actually hear from the wonderful voice uh, of the Dynasty Dummies. So well, what did you so, actually see? <laughs> so the first tape I actually found on Ashton Doolin was a track and field event not football so that i mean it was it was took some digging but with that first tape i watched him run a sub sec uh seven second 60 meter which you can check my math on this i did it really quick and i i'm not uh not a numbers guy but that that translates to under a 43 40 yard dash not saying that he will run that but he is fast uh and he's a my calculator actually just spits out a word that i shouldn't really say on a dlf podcast yeah <laughs> like, it's impressed and, uh, Let's put it that and, way. and not only is he fast but to your point about getting opportunity and and being uh, sticking on a team and especially for a smaller school prospect he's a kick returner and i like that uh and uh he had in the, I found three games, three full games of, uh, yes, Malone University of the great Miss Midwestern Athletic Conference. I, I found three games, and I saw him return three kicks, the opening kickoff of every game. And I saw him return it across the 50 twice. And then I saw the opposing team just say, hell with this, I'm not kicking to him anymore. We'll, ki- we'll kick it out of bounds. We'll pooch <laughs> kick it. You can have it at your 40, so you're not having it at our 40 with Dune returning it. And so, like, that's an impressive <laughs> thing, even at a, a small school. His speed and, and running ability also got leveraged a lot on – Bubble screens, as you would expect, and and jet sweeps. I mean, again, if you can get a guy like that in space, especially against subpar athletes, I'm not saying these guys are going to be teachers and grocery baggers going forward, but, but you know, <laughs> Ohio Dominion University is not a powerhouse. <laughs> but... So, so they did. Like they, uh, they obviously at Malone were trying to get Doolin the ball in space, and that's something you like to see on film. Uh, again, he's also a big guy. He's six two. I've got him listed at two ten. He may be a little thinner than that, but he's he's size like he, he's got good size. 
And he uses that size and athleticism when he gets down the field and has smaller defenders. Um, you, you hear people talk about high-pointing the ball and going up and, and getting the ball at the apex of your jump. He does that very well. Uh, that's that's how he rolled up uh, 10 touchdowns in, in 2017, 11 last year. He uh, he also is really good at making adjustments at back shoulder throws on timing routes, which is something that you're seeing an awful lot more in the NFL now where quarterbacks are throwing the ball away from a defender uh, on a throw to the sideline. And so he's good at kind of managing where he's got the defender on his inside shoulder, getting his head around, locating the ball, catching the ball in that split second. The the downside of Doolin is it's really hard to evaluate when you're you know at a Division two school. It's a notch down from playing at Georgia or Alabama or you know even even the University of Maine. Like it's a it's a just a, a step notches, down. Probably. And he he didn't. I know you said he's got the the um, the market share numbers and the the breakout. But on film, for me, he didn't dominate as much as I was expecting him to. Uh, and part of that, obviously, can be attributed to his surroundings. I mean, his quarterback is not an NFL-caliber quarterback. Uh, his quarterback's not a, a Power 5 conference quarterback. Uh, but part of it is, it's weird to say he doesn't generate separation with as fast as he is. He's not particularly hmm. quick out of his breaks. And so he's got all of... Sorry, sorry, Zach. No, it's all good. As a non-film guy, I I don't have reference for this. So I was just wondering, what I'm listening for, is he winning with something other than athleticism? Like I was saying, that would be my fear on a small school guy. So with those kind of points, would you say that that's something about technique or something about his physical ability to make a quick break? Like um, some people, like I, I ran a lot and that doesn't compare to NFL football a lot. And I know some people just have a quicker start naturally. You can get better at it. But some people are better or worse at it. Is that similar for NFL yeah, and play, would you say? I, I think so. I think that there are some guys who get open with technique and there are some guys who get open with athleticism. So you asked the other day or somebody asked in a, in a thread that we were both in about Michael Thomas and what I saw about Michael Thomas. And one of the things that Michael Thomas did better than almost anybody that I've watched is make a plant when he's when he's running a slant or a crossing route where he he makes a hard a hard plant at a defender's outside foot and then really quickly changes directions and so you're doing two things when you do that you make the defender commit to that plant so the defender is going the opposite way that you're breaking and he doesn't know which way you're going and so he's got to finish making that reaction to your initial plant and then catch up to what you've done and so if you make that move quickly, you're creating two or three feet of separation. And that's something I didn't see with Doolin. And I kind of expected to, because of how fast he is, you kind of expect that speed and quickness to go together. But they don't always, you know, they don't always go hand in hand. And so that's one of the things that, you know, even, even when he would run a hitch route, his break wasn't sudden enough. And that plant and the change of direction wasn't quick enough to not allow a defender to catch up, have that closing speed, and, and knock the ball away. And so I saw a lot of that on, on Doolin, you know, crossing routes and hitch routes and, and plays in the flat where... <laughs> Sorry. 
It's all right. <laughs> but yeah, you no, <laughs> it's it's something that you would expect uh, a guy with his speed to be able to kind of put those two things together, but it just wasn't there. And another thing that I didn't love about Doolin's tape is, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of soften the blow here, but he uh, he likes to conserve energy. Uh, he kind of Randy Mosses it. So if the ball is on the other side of the field, he's like, yeah, whatever. I'm not doing anything. He kind of reminds me of when I was I was playing uh, intramural flag football in college, and I would just be like, you know what? I'm gonna take the first two plays off. If we don't get a first down, I'm gonna run a post left. You know, he kind of does that where he's like, if if the ball is designed to be a play away from him or designed to be a run he's just like yeah you know i'm 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 not interested he's like hand me an umbrella drink and a lounge chair and i'll be good <laughs> and not the first player i've heard that about in this class no certainly not and so like that to me because he's from a small school those are our concerns but the nfl has spoken somebody's interested enough to see him at a combine he's going to be incredibly fast and he returns kicks. And those three things, plus the interest that your metrics had on him, were big red flags or big, uh, not red flags, but big flags, <laughs> flags. in the air. Yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I, it's, I'm in Maine. It's ice fishing season. Red flags are a good thing. We got a fish on the line. Uh, but yeah, no, the, it, 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 kicks that, it kicks that flag up. And, and so if he's on a team, he's getting run as a special teamer he's got time to develop those are actually guys who have a chance to develop because you're you're running maybe on the practice squad and and they kind of move you back and forth he's not a you know a staple of that team and so there's a chance for him to gain some of that polish that he didn't get at at Malone yeah I think that's a really interesting and fair assessment frankly I'm not those things concern me because after you get past they were productive and like so you just have to admit there's a difference playing in division one right and i'm worried about how he and what he had to learn in order to put up those numbers that's different uh where he was playing and um, i'd love to ask you if uh, justin watson did any of that but that's besides the point <laughs> i do really like your your last point though one of the things i would say about this guy is he, you know justin watson was drafted in i forget now what was it the fifth round yeah, um, which is fine for, and you want top three round draft capital. You just do mostly draft capital carries the most signal because it carries the most opportunity. Um, something I do know, and one of the reasons I made a trade with you recently, actually, and caught some fire from it uh, from our good friend <laughs> uh, DTC Riley on Twitter, was I traded for Carew because someone he was actually drafted in the top three rounds, was productive at a lower level score, and has struggled in the NFL. So he's actually got a slightly better profile than Doolin, but. Um, first round picks tend to get a lot of opportunity heavy and early first round picks that break out after their third season it's basically Kenny Britt um, like, uh, um, but if you're looking for a thousand yard season um, it's Kenny Britt in his eighth year and, and the story I make about that is they get it so much opportunity so early with every, with every chance to break out that after that stage they see a declining opportunity Someone like Doolin, I don't mind him going, or Justin Watson, in the 5th, in the 6th, in the 7th, like a Rashad Matthews, because they're going to need time. Um, they've never seen anything like what they're about to stand next to in the locker room. I mean, they've seen big right. guys, but big guys that can move like them. Um, and that's, you know, even if he was doing everything on tape, I'd say he would need that time. So I think that's a 
a really good point. The other thing, just to go back to my Meredith and Tyrell Williams and Galladay comparisons, all of those guys got a chance to step up into a higher level of competition before getting to the NFL. Doolin didn't do that. He played for Malone all of his college career. We don't know what happens when his competition is improved. One of the great things about Galladay, while I was pushing for him for a late first at least, um, was because he sat out a year specifically because he got promoted, essentially, into a higher division. And then after he came back, he still was just as dominant, despite the competition. Yeah. And that said something about him. I don't have any information about what Doolin's going to do or or Watson, for that matter, now that the competition is going to be harder. But I think we've talked enough about, like, my favorite Dark Horse candidate here. And since we led off with, like, the Metrics Dark Horse candidate, let's lead off with... Let's go next to the film Dark Horse candidate, or at least your film Dark Horse candidate. I don't think Jake's a particularly big <laughs> fan. So I think that'll also, like, perform a dual role. We can also get a Jake Tilt uh, <laughs> somewhere off in the United States in an undisclosed location, know that Jake is tilting. Why don't you tell me a little bit about Paris Campbell? <laughs> all right. So first of all, you got to take into account the fact that he was at Ohio State. And I know that you're a believer that in a receiving core, guys don't take away from each other, right? I mean, we Kinda, talked... Mostly, yeah. Yeah, you, you talked about that a little bit with, with A.J. Brown and, and D.K. Metcalf and, and, and Demarcus Lodge, like that crew at... At uh, Ole Miss. Right. And so for me, the the thing with Paris Campbell is at Ohio State, he has to set himself apart from the running game because they love to run. And they've got J.K. Dobbins there, and who's an absolute stud. And Mike Weber, who's really underrated, uh, I think he's a 1,000-yard back and, and a, a pretty good running back. And both of them command a ton of touches. And so for me, to have Paris Campbell be there – and have 90 receptions, be over 1,000 yards, have 12 touchdowns, that that stands out to me. And he had the, the best hands of anybody I've watched so far in this class. And he's able to do it clean when he's got separation, but also more importantly to me because he runs a lot of his routes out of the slot and over the middle. He's really good at catching the ball in traffic uh, as well. Campbell... It's fantastic once he's got the ball. He's another one of these guys who I think is going to surprise people at the Combine with how fast he is. But when he gets the ball, it's not just about his speed. He's also got contact balance, which, you know, that's that's one of the buzzwords. And you hear Jake say that a lot about running backs. I know he said it about uh, Montgomery in this class. I know that he loved that about Kareem Hunt. Paris Campbell's got that as a receiver, I mean, 6'1", right. 205 is not a small dude, and, and he gets hit, takes that impact, and continues to run after the catch. So that's something that I really, really like about him. He's able to kind of you know, absorb that hit or deflect it and gain extra yards. And then once he gets loose, or if he gets loose, he's got 4'4 four, four speed. Nobody is catching him, and so he's just gone. So I guess what I'm saying is what I've seen from Paris Campbell, there aren't that many drawbacks. I think he is going to be one of the safer players that come out of this draft, even though he's not being talked about very much right yet. I think he's going to be very good. He's more effective against zone than he is against man, but he does have the ability. He he was jammed some, not very much. Um, let's not get crazy. He played a lot in the slot, but when he was jammed, he was able to get off press. 
the only thing I didn't really like about what he was doing was sometimes he will get pushed off a route, but it's not very often, and it's by really, really physical corners. And so I, I guess I, I love Paris Campbell, man. He's, I, there will be a Dynasty Dummies open with a song about Paris Campbell. It's, <laughs> it's, it's probably going to be Sinatra. It's probably going to be like, I, I love Paris in the spring. You know, something. It, it's going to happen. Uh, that might be the only thing I enjoy about Paris Campbell. Just to start <laughs> off, like, like, I normally like to start off reasonable and get nasty, but yeah, just going to go the no, other way. No, bring it, bring it. <laughs> Look, Paris Campbell um, played at ages 18, 20, and 21, according to the numbers I got in front of me, at least. Um, he has, in fact, a low-end, typical college, good college receiver arc, right? He starts off with almost nothing at age 19 with only 2.2% of the team's Receiving yards and receiving touchdowns, which is also known as a dominator rating, it moves to 11% at 20 and 21% uh, at age 21, which is nice, I guess, or 217 if you want to be exact. Now, 20% is uh, the threshold for being considered broken out. So he broke out at age 21, and that's where his older breakout age comes from. But it's not the older breakout age that concerns me as much so much as this really low progression like two percent to eleven percent and then finally barely over the threshold at the end now what is that number just to remind us and that's how much production he was doing zach i'm probably being too mean here but you're describing how he was getting what he was getting Um, and I'm, and those numbers tell me what he was getting, <laughs> and it was just low. Like um, I've I've been breaking down uh, an article series I'm trying to write um, or develop for DLF right now is um, looking at past draft classes, like what we knew of them at this point in the year, right? So no combine, no draft capital. What could we possibly know? So looking back at the past one class at a time, kind of like the crossroads, but with a class instead of a player, right? Um, and saying exactly what we knew of their production, how it compares. Because I think our square grass really get someone like me's motor running, but I think most people just <laughs> yawn, right? It, 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 there's no way to compare that to your regular life, right? We don't spend a lot of time looking at grass or our squared numbers to do all the complicated and interesting jobs we do and we turn to fantasy to get away from them so like even me i'm not like a professional statistician i've had to learn what r squared means and it's sometimes uncomfortable so i think looking at the class class by class and seeing their numbers and then seeing the next class and the next class, you get to see the names not the number in other words um, and then you know what happens, because we know what happened with the 2012 class at this point, right? Not the 2020 class, but the 2012 class, we're pretty confident about what right. happened with them. Um, and one thing that I've noticed, I've only been through 2013 and 2012, but with those two nut classes in particular, one thing that stands out is that the three hits from the 2013 class were... Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, and then slightly later... And Robert Woods is the other player. Now, Robert Woods took a long time to do anything, and he had to go to the Rams to do it. Um, He actually might be one of those players breaking my how long it takes earlier draft players to actually break out, but he wasn't drafted in the first round. Um, Now, one of the things I noticed from that class is they were the only three players drafted that year to have a positive average compared to the six the average of successful wide receivers that's a hard way of saying it but what i did is i looked at what every player did every year in terms of the college dominator rankings and then i averaged just what players with top 24 seasons have done and then i saw whether players were above or below that 
in every given year. So in other words, Paris Campbell was below average at age 19, below average at age 20, and below average at age 21, which produces an average number of he was 16%, uh, negative 16% compared to the average of successful wide receivers going year by year, age by age. So technically it's age adjusted as well. Butler, who is also maybe we'll get to talk about he's the only (laughs) other one with a negative number Dorch and Doolin both have positive numbers now that doesn't make mean they're the only ones that can hit even out of these four but that's where the R squared numbers and why I like production so much comes from it's that quite often when you look at a draft class you find the ones that are doing better compared to average are the ones that hit and the ones that hit bigger so that's just a different way of me explaining what I've tried to explain to Jake every single time, that his production was just not quite as good. I don't know if that's a particularly good way of saying it. Um, sorry, you've got something to say, but... I, I do. Let me, let me, let me talk here. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it back to you, but like, I understand that. I, I, I understand his, his production compared to the average production and that sort of thing. Um, the, the issue that I have with that is he went from... 2017, so fine. His his first year that he was on the field for Ohio State, he was not productive. We'll I'll give you that. We'll uh, agree. His <laughs> second year in 2017, Dobbins had 1,400. There were three runners, including the quarterback, who had over 600 yards at Ohio State. Like mm-hmm. they 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 only threw the ball 320 times or or something to that effect. And he was the second leading receiver on the team with 40 catches. Like it's not, it's not that Paris Campbell is a bad player. It's that Ohio state is putting it in the belly of JK Dobbins because that's what they think their best option is. Their number two option is, Hey, we're going to give the ball to uh, Mike Weber. Uh, Last year it was, all right, we're going to uh, let the, let the quarterback, we're going to let JT Barrett run it this year. Obviously they don't have the running quarterback. But I also think that Haskins is being a little bit overrated in his accuracy by this community because we've got such a bad quarterback class coming out right. that people are looking at Haskins going, well, he's good. He's going to go in the first round. But if you watch tape of Ohio State, Haskins is, is scattershot, man. It's, it's, it's like the, the Civil War when they, they put the, um, like the, the musket balls in and you just don't know where it's going to go. That's what <laughs> Haskins is. And so you'll see Paris Campbell get open on a, a route in the flat where he should get 15 yards after the catch. And he's got to go up and back and make a play. And by the time he catches it, the defender's on him. So getting that three yards after the catch is incredible. So, I mean, I, I understand where your numbers are, are, are coming from, and, and I use both. I mean, I, you know me. I, I, I hold you in very high esteem, and I, I hold the metrics community in very high esteem. I shouldn't have said that. I, I'm supposed to be against you. Uh, no, you're terrible. <laughs> but, yeah, no, but, 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 but I think that, that some of the things that don't get shown by the numbers are these, you know, the little – is is that ball thrown on on Paris Campbell's hands or is Paris Campbell having to make a play that's above and beyond to even catch the ball and so that's taking away from what he can do after so i think it skews his numbers a little bit but the fact that he was he caught 90 balls this year at ohio state on a team that loves to run the ball stands out to me no definitely um but let me start 
from my usual refrain of, I don't think you do understand my numbers. I'm going to start aggressive. Um, okay. you, do, you obviously do. Um, but all I, my typical response to that is what market share is, is a percentage of yards in the passing game that these right. players caught. So it kind of adjusts for the rushing game. Like, he's not getting the ball as much. But when they were passing, this is what percentage of production that he was getting. Which means it wasn't going to the running backs. It was going to... Well, it might have been going to the running backs. But it was going to the running backs in the passing game as well. It was going to the tight end. It was going to other wide receivers. And so the question is, when they were passing, why weren't they passing to Campbell as much? Or as, as much as other teams target players that turn out to be good in the NFL. Now, to make a little bit of your the argument, I guess, you, you will make against me is n- that doesn't always happen. That's why these predict, that, that's why I don't have a 100% or 90% hit rate, right? <laughs> these production scores have like a, a 21, 22% uh, explanation of the variation. I'm <laughs> taking it all fancy, but that's what R squared means. So there's plenty of players <laughs> that aren't uh, getting above average production. And lots of players, when you look at those graphs that I point out, um, have underproductive years. And Paris Campbell had a few, and he had one that was, uh, well, he never had an overproductive year, but there you go. So one thing that I've actually tried to just add in, which is what I was going to mention, um, I just put it in my database, which is a fancy word for thing full of numbers, um, <laughs> is what I did is I calculated, uh, calculated, I added two numbers together. Their passing yard, the team's passing yardage, and then the team's rushing yardage, right? So you have their total yardage, I guess, minus special teams. And then I divided their passing yardage by that total yardage. So we're seeing the percentage of their yards that were actually gained through the passing game. To try and not solve or discredit because they're really good points i don't know what it means it comes up with very low signal by itself hopefully it'll be useful as a description at least so and paris campbell's team in that first year when he did almost nothing got 46 percent of their total yardage through the passing game in his second year and you just went through what the numbers uh, those raw numbers were he, they were getting 51 percent of their yardage through the passing game and in his last year they were getting 67 percent through the passing game now what that you know I have no fucking idea, but I can't believe that now. Um, what that seems to suggest is they were getting more of their yardage through the passing game while Paris Campbell was on the team. Now, I don't know if that means anything for the receiver or for the quarterback, since we mentioned him. And maybe that means the quarterback was improving and therefore he was scattershotting his way to more yards. And maybe that's positive or <laughs> negative for him. I honestly don't know. Um, but just in terms of Campbell, it could mean that Campbell had an effect, right? I honestly don't know what it means. I've tested it and I haven't found any correlation to whether it, like, say, the player or the team or the quarterback yet. But it could be that Paris Campbell is there and he's a more attractive target. So he's getting more passing yardage than receivers that were dominating touches before that like you were saying their running quarterback left maybe one of their running backs got injured or went to the nfl who knows um but paris campbell's percentages did improve as the game improved so could that say something about campbell maybe what i do know is that even in his last year when he was most productive it was still under the average of players that are successful in the nfl um, it was above the breakout threshold of 20%, but it still makes me wonder if this guy was so good, and you're seeing such good things on the film, why he was only getting 21% of their yardage. Now, some of that, as Jake likes to point out, is a type of runs. And like you were just saying, something that I wish we had, we were able, I was able to help you with, or help me yeah. with, is he's open, he's not getting the ball, right? What's going on there? Is that the quarterback? Is that the scheme? 
is there something else that is, whatever? I don't know. Um, so there's definitely room here to say Paris Campbell is doing more, even in the numbers, than his raw productions or his percentage of production suggests. I'm hearing you say you like Paris Campbell. That's that's what I'm hearing. I, you, I mean, you heard it too, audience. I, I know you did. <laughs> You're hearing <laughs> me say I like you, Zach. So I want to find something. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I love talking to you, Zach. But, you know, you probably want to see your wife and kids. I've kept you here for 24 hours now. Uh, So I'll start wrapping it up a little bit. Um, I think where we're coming out is Draft Greg Dortch um, and Ashton Doolin. Just ignore everyone else. Uh, (laughs) I do the same thing every time and it doesn't get old for me. (laughs) But... um, is there anything else you want to share? You, uh, the Dynasty Dummies up to anything that we should be paying attention to lately? Can I get some inside information here? Yeah, we we just uh, we just threw up a Patreon account. That's uh, we're not we're not putting anything behind a paywall. We're not uh, we're not charging you for anything. You're just you're you're handing us your money out of the goodness of your heart <laughs> because you like us. No, we I mean, we 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 figured that this was the best way to rectify the fact that we're we're losing money on this whole endeavor, but we love it. And, and to us, we love putting things out for free because that's, uh, I feel like everybody should have uh, access to what we do if you're enjoying it. And, uh, and the only way to do that we could see feasibly was to throw up a Patreon account. But the things that we've got going right now that don't involve, uh, you know, the, your, your, beneficence and and handing us uh handing us cash i've just <laughs> i just put up uh seven thousand words or so on uh rookie profiles on the dynastydummies.com website uh after the combine kyle should be rolling with the dummy cheat sheet which if if you haven't checked that out that's he's he's one of my go-tos i mean i i list it's you peter and and kyle and they're they're metrics guys i trust and you guys hit on some things that I would never have seen. And so if if you're listening to this, go check out Kyle's dummy cheat sheet because we may go by the dummy moniker and I may be a dummy, <laughs> but he's he's very, very smart and uh, it's worth the, the worth the look. Yeah, I agree with all of that, apart from the point where you asked for my money. Um, but no, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, seriously, it... I am, a, I am a patron of the Dynasty Dummies. It does feel good. I'm just donating a dollar a month. No, that's beautiful. Um, I also know what a dollar... Like, I have patrons and they pay me a dollar a month. And uh, makes you keep doing it, frankly. When you spend so long <laughs> doing this crap, you wonder if uh, you're wasting your time. Shouldn't I just be spending time with my kids? But no. <laughs> um, that dollar just keeps you going. Keeps keeps you staying away from your family. So, yeah, definitely check it out. If nothing else, go check out their Patreon page. Because it's a fun place. Um, people are posting. People talk. Um, and it's definitely worth checking out. But um, I appreciate everything you guys have been putting out for years now, for literally free. And they're still putting it out for free. Don't worry, you're still going to get their podcast. Um, but if you're interested in supporting them, please go and check that out. Dude, I am going to pretend to let you go. Uh, and then not <laughs> let you go after we stop recording. But um, thanks for coming down to the Crossroads here, Zach. And thanks for everyone else to come to the Crossroads with us tonight. I've had fun this week like I always do, even without Jake, which has made me consider a few things. Uh, <laughs> not really. Jake will be back just as soon as uh, just as soon as he can, and I can't wait. Although I hope we get to see Zach again sometime. We will see you next week. I don't have Jake to say peace or anything, so I'm just going to end it with a kind of a uh, feeling. <laughs> no, but seriously, guys, take care, and I'll see you next week. Bye.
Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight. Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye, eye like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road. Go, clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so Jake on the table and they on the plays, though Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so Jake on the table and they on the plays, though Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical He's not a machine. He's a man. Jake has chosen me for the uh, his his trial by combat. His champion. Yeah. I shouldn't have said that. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow. Also, the format of of your show, which I love. I shouldn't have said that. Blatantly untrue. Not not that I have game. I don't have any. <laughs> I honestly, um, I'm not good at this. I uh, digress here. It, it's it's a little intimidating. I'll be honest with you. Though. The electric. It's it's really the glare off my head that's throwing you off, isn't it? Blatantly untrue. Yeah, I get it. I, I get it. You're great. I get it. I honestly, um, I'm not good at this. Oh, he's so good. He's not a machine. He's a man. I shouldn't have said that. See, now you know what Jake puts up with. <laughs> I hold the metrics community in very high esteem. I shouldn't have said that. Oh, <sighs>
that closes. Seriously, Jack, thanks for hanging in tough there with me. I know I, you know, we, you've been online for like three hours with me now to get 30 minutes of stuff. And uh, that's the way I roll. <laughs> it feels weird because it, it's effort, but it's like we say it's fun like sometimes like right now i'm not editing and there'll be some point an hour into editing i'm like you know i do put effort into this and then the minute you finish it you're like ah that wasn't so bad <laughs> body forgets pain <laughs> but um yeah man i honestly just I, we we have not even had a conversation since um my first podcast probably or one of my first when we went on the open bar and, you know, we weren't talking, so it's been great to do that. Catch up with you, as it were. <laughs> what an age we live in, say. It is. It, it. I agree. It's bizarre. Like especially you know, fantasy football, um, with what you expect to be football fans, and then Twitter, what you expect to be Twitter explorers, and you actually find nice people. Like what the hell? <laughs> what, what are you all doing here? Shouldn't you be out rescuing kittens and stuff? I don't know. <laughs> oh shit. Sorry, I'm just looking on Twitter. I've got like 30 messages. Apparently Riley and Addison are going at it. I just saw briefly. <laughs> so that, that'll be fun to find out. Oh dear. Not Jordan Reed. Not Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed's awesome. Oh. oh, that thing. Right. Mm-hmm. 
I hated trading for, trading for Trey Burton because I was all on the it's not going to happen for Trey Burton, but tight end was such a dumpster fire that I just I had to end up with that tight end one. <laughs> That's why I did that last year. But I right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no tight ends i almost love the position because it's become so easy the, i think the only way it gets hard is overthinking it. it's like if you don't have one of the top three or a guy who can fin become one of those guys <laughs> stop stressing about it take uh take the jason witten uh, of new like uh take kyle rudolph take Take Gates who can catch a touchdown. What the hell? What the fuck? Why not? <laughs> I mean, it just makes it so much like you feel like a genius every year because you don't tilt over it. Just get someone who fills in or a couple of guys, and everyone else is like, ah, tight end. Just stop paying two first for OJ Howard, and you'll be fine. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.
seriously. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it, like, if wide receiver and running back were that easy, I mean, we'd be, we'd be able to lead you a championship every year. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> I I so tilted over Cook. I sh like this. Is, it's not just this that's fun. It's fantasy football. It's a fucking hobby. <laughs> it's meant to be fun, and sometimes it's like, what's the point in not digging in on something unreasonable? And it's just like, no, no to Jared Cook. <laughs> I, I did not like an Al Bundy type record. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, oh my god, they're arguing over follower count. Addison's like, oh Jesus, I got nasty. <laughs> How do you get angry over this stuff? Like, I've honestly. You're right. <laughs> like sometimes something's been posted and it got me riled up a little bit. And it takes 20 seconds. You're like, nah, actually, fuck it. <laughs> I don't know how you like Twitter wore it without, you know, doing it almost as a stick. <laughs> right? <laughs> you good <laughs> 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 